could you imagine what it's going to be like when we get to heaven? All of God's children together praising God. Could you imagine all the languages together? Could you imagine what it's going to be like? Can't wait to be there. Amen. Me, 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 me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you blessed my heart. Thank you. You ministered to me. And I appreciate that. Oh, my goodness. You have your Bibles with you. Turn, if you please, to the book of Revelation. To the Revelation of the Apocalypse. Oh, that's right. Before we get started, I'll tell you what, I, I get moving when it comes to preaching. I do have a short video I'd like for you to see. About a minute and a half in Joel. Please. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. 
And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will show you the mystery of the woman and the beast of faith, which has the seven heads and the ten Let us go to the Lord's prayer. Father God, we thank you on Jesus' name. We just pray that you have your way with us this morning. I pray, Lord, that your word would speak to us, would search us, would try us. I pray, Lord, that it would cut down into us, that if there be anybody, Lord, that needs to come to know you as personal, Lord, and say, you anybody, Father, needs to get their walk right with you today. Would you let today be that time? Would you let now be that time? I pray, Father, you take charge, teach us, edify us, equip us, encourage us, Father. Most of all, Father, we ask you to be right here with us. Why do you marvel? Why? I don't know about you, but if I had been there with John, you think I would have marveled at that sight? That sounds like a marvelous sight. Scary, but marvelous. Terrifying, but marvelous. In fact, if you have an older version of the Bible, when John says, I saw her, and I marveled, your Bible might say, I wondered. I wondered if you have a more literal translation. I wondered. And the angel's going to correct him and say, No, you marvel. Why did you marvel? That's the question that you have this morning for all of us. Why do you marvel? Now, we get to interpret the revelation this morning. I'm not going to do it for you. So, a lot of people want me to. Let me tell you, there's no quicker way. To get somebody angry at you than to give someone your interpretation of the revelation. So that's it. People will get mad at you for no reason. But it's true. They'll corner you and tell you, this is why you're wrong. This is why I think you're wrong. As though they're the one that's right. <laughs> I love it. Must be a Baptist church. So you get to interpret the revelation this morning. You get to figure out what the beast is. You get to figure out what the mother of harvest are. You get to figure out what the mystery is. And let me just tell you, Stick with what the Bible says. Don't go with what somebody else says. Because the Bible actually tells you what it is if you'll read it. If you'll read it. So you get to interpret the revelation this morning. So I get to use the analogy of why did you marvel? Why did you marvel? Now let's take a look at the marvels of the world. In fact, you probably heard of the seven wonders of the world, have you not? We know them. We can list them. The Great Pyramid of Giza. That is a marvelous sight. It's been one of my dreams to go see one of these days. I want to go to Egypt and see those pyramids. I want to see the Sphinx, y'all. I want to go see the museum in Cairo. I want to see it. That is something that's marvelous to me. But we cannot see the Hanging Gardens of Babylon anymore. We know from history they were marvelous. What about the Great Colossus of Rome? What about the great temple of Artemis, the lighthouse of Alexandria, or the statue of Zeus at Olympia, or the mausoleum of Halicarnassus? Those were all seven wonders of the world. Have you thought about the modern day wonders? Here's the modern day wonders for you. The Titanic was a wonder, was it not? The Titanic, the Berlin Wall. I grew up around the Berlin Wall. Saw it, got to touch it, got to see it. Saw enemy troops on top of it. And it was a wonder to me. The Twin Towers before September 11th were a marvel to the world. What about the internet? Isn't that marvelous? It is. 
because of the internet, we no longer use encyclopedias. Did you know that Wikipedia has replaced it marvelously? We don't read anymore. Our internet does it for us. What about automobiles? They're a modern day marvel, are they not? And they get better and better. You don't even have to park them anymore. They'll park themselves. What about modern music? I get marveled at those all the time. I don't know what they're saying. And of course, today's fashion is marvelous. It's funny to me how men wear dresses now. It's marvelous. I hear some things that made people marvel in the Bible. Number one, I want you to understand that biblically, we should marvel at anything other than Jesus. That is why the angel looked to John. John, who wrote something so elegant as in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The one who laid his very head on the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper to hear the heartbeat of God. He marveled at this beast, and the angel looked at John marvelously and said, How are you marveling? You have been that close to the Savior of the world, and you're marveling at something that is insignificant. We need to understand that biblically we should marvel anything other than Jesus. Let's take a look at some things that made people marvel in the Bible. Are you ready? Buckle your seatbelt because we're going to move along real fast here. Genesis 11, verses 1 through 4. So if you turn with me there, we'll read those together. The Bible says in verse 1, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had bricks for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heaven. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Of course, this is the Tower of Babel. It was something that made people wonder. Could you imagine what it would have been like to be walking through Genesis Earth at that time and to come across the making of the Tower of Babel? Now, there's a lot going on there. Let me be honest with you. We cannot build a tower that will reach all the way up into heaven. Amen? We can try. It's not going to happen. We can try. Eventually, we're going to run out of oxygen. You can get on top of Mount Everest and have to bring oxygen with you. And that's not up in heaven. There was something marvelous about the Tower of Babel. What was it? What was it? Well, the idea here is that they were saying, I want to be where God is. And I don't know about you, but that's still a marvel to this day. I want to be where God is. I'm going to do a little preaching this morning. Like I said, if you're going to get mad at me, it's okay. I'm going to preach just a little bit this morning. And I hope and pray that I'm preaching to you. Here's one of the things that I marvel at, and I think Christians should marvel at. People who want to be with God, people who think they're right with God, but don't ever intend to be in God's house and get with God in the right way, they think marvelously that they can go and build themselves their own tower to God. You ever met somebody that says, I have a wonderful relationship with God, but I don't want anything to do with any church? Go like this. That's a marvel, isn't it? Why is that marvel?
marvelous because they're building their own tower of Babel. And what they're saying is, is I want to be where God is. I just don't want anybody else that's not like me around. I was like, boy, heaven is not for you to be an idiot. There's going to be a lot of different people. Did you hear that song we just sang? How great thou art. We heard it in a different language. I can't wait to hear every language of the earth sing. How great is our God. Imagine what that's going to be like. Imagine if we were like the Tower of Babel. Say, nope, we've got to have one language, one people, one way of thinking, just like us. You probably heard that before. We talk about the end of the world coming. We talk about one government, one religion, one money, one language. I want to be where God is, and it's marvelous. What else do they say when they build a Tower of Babel? I want to see what God does. Before, when I was a young Christian, I used to spend time praying, a lot of time praying. And let me tell you, church, there's nothing better that you could do than pray. Amen. I remember when bad things would happen when I was in Bible seminary, and people would come up and say, What can I do? And I would often say, Let's pray. They'd say, No, we've got to be able to do something more than pray. And I was like, There's nothing greater we can do than pray. Nothing more needs to be done. Let's pray, and Father God will get engaged. And when Father God gets moving, there's nothing on earth that's going to stop you. These people who create their own tower of Babel want to see what God does. In other words, they want to tell God how you should do it. This is what I would do if I were in charge. Thank God you're not God. Amen? I want to see what God does. They get this attitude of, I want to be where God is, and I want to see what God does. You know what else they get a hold of? They get this idea of saying, I want to be like God. It reminds me of the seven I wills that Satan uttered before he fell out of heaven. I will be like God. I will do what God is doing. I will take God's place. And let me tell you, the Tower of Babel is just another extension of what Satan I want to be where God is. I want to see what God does. I want to be like God. So you say, well, Josh, how do I get where God is? The Bible says you've got to know Jesus to get where God is. In fact, the Bible says He's the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody can come unto the Father but through Him. You want to see what God does? Then look to the cross. You want to see how God loves? Look to the cross. You want to see how God punishes sin? Look to the cross. It is all there. You want to be like God? Then put Jesus in your heart and start obeying what Jesus said to do. And you'll find yourself becoming more and more and more like Jesus every day. For the good business of the Tower of Babel make the world wonder. Make the church marvel at you. Let's look at another one. Genesis 19, verses 23 to 26. Genesis 19, verses 23 to 26. This is one of my favorite stories, and I did a somewhat in-depth Bible study on Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago on this right here. Let's take a look at Genesis 19, 23, 26. The Bible says, The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plains, all the inhabitants of the city, and what grew on the ground. But his wife, Lot's wife, looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Lot's wife, something to marvel at, something to take note of, something to wonder about. Lot's wife became what we call here in Texas an old cow lick. Amen. What in the world would go through her mind, go 
make her do that? Well, let's just, let's just digest a little bit, shall we? Let's take a look at what might be going through Lot's wife's head as she was fleeing from Sodom. Her husband and her daughters in front of her. She hears the sound of the fire and brimstone coming down. She hears the screaming. She hears destruction. And yet she turns around to look. Why would you do that? thinking about how great it was in the past. Perhaps you're one of those that sit there thinking about a past relationship you had. Only if I could find another man like that. Only if I could find another woman like that. And you spend your time living in the past. You know what you're becoming? An old salt list. You're becoming useless for the future. And you marvel at the past. Lot's wife, she marveled at the past. And she left out of Sodom. She was thinking, how am I ever going to have more friends like that? How am I ever going to have another life like that? How am I ever going to have more social uh, meaning like that? She marveled at her friends. She marveled at her lifestyle. And she desired Lot's wife, one of my favorite ones, she marveled. She marveled so much she became useless for the future. Let's look at another one here. Let's take a look at this one here, Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6, which is one and two. Now, Gibbethon was sincerely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of battle. Now, I want to give you a little background on this. The children of Israel had come out of Egypt with the high hand, the mighty hand of the Lord. They witnessed the miracles. They witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. They watched Father God bring them food. They bring them water, feed them with the manna, and they end up in Kadesh Barnea. When they get to Kadesh Barnea, they send out the spies, and the spies come back and say what? Those guys are entirely too big. Well, as a result, God says, you need to go back into the desert, back into the wilderness, back into the training ground of me providing food and water for you. Over 40 years, all those guys that came out of Egypt died. In fact, there was only three of them left alive. Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. Of course, we know now as they enter the promised land that Moses is dead. There's none left for Joshua and Caleb. But all those other warriors did not see firsthand what God had done. They did not see the pyramids. They did not see the Nile River. They did not see the Red Sea. They heard about it, but they have not seen it. They've been walking in the desert in a big circle for 40 long years. I want you to think about what's in the desert. There's nothing bigger than an acacia wood tree. An occasional, what they call a mountain, which is more like a hill. It's like a mountain in Texas, but I get it. It's a hill. Very similar to our species. They can't get rich. Sadly, they don't get rich. They're hard, though. They're extremely hard to eradicate. However, they haven't seen anything bigger than that. Animal wise, they've seen some lizards, some snakes, and some locusts. They haven't seen much of anything. The biggest adversary they've seen is the Amalekite. Around 
Jericho is something they've never seen before. Could you imagine what it is? Could you imagine what it looks like? It is huge. It's tremendous. Do you remember what you felt like when you first went to Corpus Christi and you saw the USS and you saw USS Western? How big that boat was. Do you remember the first time you ever looked out at the ocean and how big it was? Could you imagine what the children of Israel felt when they looked and saw the walls of Jericho and they thought to themselves, I've never seen anything so big. How can we ever defeat that? With sling, with a spear, with our swords of bronze? How can we bring that wall down? Can we put a stone down there? Never have they faced anything so tall and so strong. Imagine the mistake that God has put in. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know that God had a plan for one particular person who was behind those walls? Her name was Rahab. Her name was Rahab the harlot. God had a plan for her. It's like God has a plan for you. God has a design for you. And you, just like Rahab, are sitting inside the city saying, these walls are unbreakable. They're unbeatable. That army outside will never in. How am I ever going to get out soon? That's what most of our problems are here. We often think about the armies of Israel outside, but we forget about little Rahab inside. Rahab inside, thinking there's no way they're going to not be that much. Let's go back to the children of Israel as they look up at that wall. And they're thinking to themselves, should we get catapults? Should we get siege ladders? Should we get... I don't know. How can we pull these walls down? And God speaks and says, just walk around. All you have to do is walk around. Inside, however, is Rahab. See, I see them every day walk around. And that's all they do. And they go back to the camp. Could you imagine how she feels? Because she was now stuck inside, just like you might be, stuck inside the walls around your heart, saying, no one can break through. I'll never let anybody in. And now I'm so stuck inside, I can't get out myself. Why do you come? Listen to what the Lord said in the book of Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho to your hand. That very seldom does God begin a sentence with the word see. How many of you know that faith never comes by what you see? It comes by what you hear. Very seldom does God say, watch this. And that's what God is saying right there. Watch this. I want to show you something that you'll remember forever and ever and ever and ever. And I want you to know that God has a message for you this morning. God has a plan for you that you can remember forever and ever and ever. I know that you're a Rahab inside the walls of Jericho in your heart. But I got you. I need you to understand that God has the armies of Israel walking around right now. And something miraculous is about to happen. 
Something miraculous is about to happen. If you're at Israel and you're walking around those walls right now thinking, how is God going to do this? I want you to know that God is saying, just watch and see. Well, we know what's going to happen, don't you? You read the story, you see it. You already know the story. Come the seventh day, they walk around the wall seven times, they blow the shofars, and the walls come tumbling down. It didn't take any rocks, ladders, grappling hooks, battering rams, catapults. It didn't take a single weapon. It took the word of the Lord. And if you'll let God speak into your heart this morning, those walls will come tumbling down. And Rahab can come out and be a part of Israelite family. Somebody say amen this morning. Why are you marveling? There's nothing too big for our God. Nothing too big. Nothing too dirty. Nothing too unclean. He can change Rahab and he can change you. As the children of Israel sat there despairing, how are we going to defeat this unbeatable foe? God says, Watch this. Watch this. Not only do you get to hear the word of the Lord, you get to see it in action. You get to see it in action. Let's take a look at another one. Let's look at Daniel chapter 6. The walls of Jericho moved on to now the story in Daniel. I love the prophet Daniel. He's one of my favorite guys. He talks about the end of time. He talks about what's going on in his life. He talks about living life to its fullest. He talks about putting faith in his blue jeans, if you will. He didn't just have faith on Sunday morning. He put his faith to work each and every day. Let's take a look at Daniel chapter 4. Let's look at verse 29. The Bible says, At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. This is Nebuchadnezzar. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? And he said, It's the word that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. Look at verse 32. That very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. Now, how many of you know that even today, having hair like feathers and claws like an eagle's talons is not really cool, amen? Nebuchadnezzar became wild like, till his hair got thick and matted and became feather-like, and his fingernails grew out to be like claws. He had the mind of an animal, and he was outside eating grass. Could you imagine what that would have been like? There he was, the king, walking on his walls, looking out at what he had done in Babylon, looking out at the things he thought he'd accomplished, saying, look what I've done. Look at my majesty. Look how great I am. And God spoke just the same. He said, let's find out how great you are. You're going to act like a cow for a little while. You're going to act like an ox for a little while. Could you imagine what that was like? Could you imagine some news announcer today? For Fox News, maybe Tucker Carlson would show up and say, So, Nebuchadnezzar, what are you going to do in your next turn? And Nebuchadnezzar would look at him and go, Move! 
He said, you heard it right here, folks. You heard it first. Could you imagine now what that would have been like? The king went from the palace to the palace. Why do you marvel? And church, what are the things we're marveling at? Are we marveling at our own towers of Babel? Are we marveling at the walls of Jericho? Are we marveling at the walls and the tombs we built up? John writes and says, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman of the deep of Cain's way because of seven heads and the ten Why did you marvel? As I said before and earlier, if you have an old translation, there's a difference in those words. Even though they're the exact same Greek words, there's different parts. Greek word in there, state, marvel, or wonder, or amaze. And that's a good translation, and you don't get me wrong. But in particular, John is wonder at that particular piece coming. He's going to wonder at the woman coming up. That's a wonder to the point of amazement, to the point of saying, look at the power, look at the beauty, look at the majesty, look at the awesomeness, look at how and we can see from the stories we have in the Bible, there's nothing too impossible to God, amen? And the angel questions God, says, why did you marvel? He didn't make an excuse. You understand, the angel didn't make an excuse. He didn't let John say, well, I just wondered at it. I just thought about it for a little while. He didn't let John call it. He called it what it was. Why did you marvel? Understand there's a difference between wonder and marvel. Wonder is to say, man, how did that happen? Really, wonder is to ask questions. Why and how did that happen? To marvel is to admire. And the angel says, why did you marvel? So if you go back in the context, you'll find John called it On Judgment Day, there'll be a lot of those people going out to Jesus and saying, I didn't really see it. I just saw it without permission. But <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? But we do it all the time. There'll be a lot of people on Judgment Day saying, I didn't lie. I just exaggerated a little something. You can't understand what we're doing. We're doing what John did. I was just wondering at it. Why did you marvel? Why did you marvel? I, I was just looking at her. God, I really wasn't. It, it was an accident. I didn't mean for it to happen. But when you see it, you can call it what it really is. Now I want to give you something to marvel at. I want to give you something to truly marvel at. When we talked about what to marvel at, we talked about the fact that you are the marvel of the modern world. 
And we know what happened that whole morning. Get out of the boat. Of course, we heard all the stories about God Himself took the picture of ship. What about the burden wall? No one could ever break it down. What about the twin towers? It's unbendable steel. Yet, not a lot about the ship. Why do you marvel? Are you marveling at something? Are you marveling at something? Are you marveling at the unspeakable gift that He gave? That the Father gave. And now we're here to see something that is beyond. The Apostle Paul writes to the church of Rome. He would turn this to see Romans chapter 8. You won't find it on your own page. It's something I wanted to add in later on. Something to marvel at. We saw what we marvel at as non Christians. We saw what we marvel at as human beings. What should we be marveling at too? The Bible tells us Romans chapter 8. Marvelous, I know. The love he has for us is marvelous. We spent all that time this morning singing on the love of God. It's marvelous. Oh, absolutely, it's marvelous. I want to tell you how wonderful the love of God is. I want you to know that it is indescribable. There's nothing that I can share with you that can compare to how much God loves you. There's not one thing in this world that can make God stop loving you. There's not one thing you can do to make God love you anymore. And He already does. The Bible says He loves you so much that He gave His only begotten Son for you. That's how much He loves you. Not me. Not the whole world. He loves you. And He thinks you're worth the precious blood of His baby boy. And there's not one thing you can do to ever make God stop loving you. You. Listen to what the Bible says here in Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This is verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's marvelous. Amen. You need something to marvel at? Marvel at what God has done. He has taken a sinner and made him a He's taken somebody unclean and made them clean. He has taken someone unrighteous and made them righteous. He's taken someone unworthy and made them worthy. He's taken the poorest of the poor and made them the richest of the rich. He's taken a citizen of this world, damned to hell, and made him a citizen going to heaven. Amen? That's marvelous. That's marvelous. And it's time for you to get marvelous yourself. How do you do it? You put Jesus in your heart. How do you do it? You get saved. How do you do it? You become a part of God's family. Because nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. 
know and all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. So it's always has to remain. Did you see that in verse 38? Paul says, I'm persuaded. What's going on with Paul here as he writes to the church in Rome? How many of you know that something has happened called the Edict of Claudius had said, all Jews must be Romans. Happens a lot in this world. He said, get out of my capital city. And all the Jews had to leave. By the way, those Jews were pastors, the deacons, the Sunday school teachers at the church of Rome. And they all had to leave by order of Claudius, the emperor. And so Gentiles now stepped in and start teaching church. We have a new Gentile pastor, a new Gentile deacon, a new Gentile Sunday school teacher. Well, guess what happens? The state has it. Claudius dies. And a new emperor arises. And he thinks he can come on back. And so those Christians start coming back to Rome. And they get right back to the church and say, Hey, I'm your old pastor after 17 years. I want my pulpit back. And the new pastor says, Uh oh. That's what happens. Some school teachers come back and say, I want my class back. And the new says, I don't know where you've been for the last 17 years, but I've been here. And the deacon said, you know, we have this little bit of a spiritual problem. We're going to have a problem on the Listen to what he says there. He was not even separated from the Lord. Is it being Jewish? No. Is it being Gentile? No. Who will separate us from another church? Now, tribulation, by the way, or distress, or persecution. Scripture to begin with says persecution or famine. Then the Walmart workers. Some of us get mad at God because we can't buy one bread. That's marvelous news. You have no reason to be angry. You've got a God in heaven who thinks you're worth dying for. You've got the Holy Spirit to keep you joyful while the rest of the world is drowning in its own sorrow. You've got everything. Listen to what Paul says. I'm more than conscious to him who has I am persuaded, he says in verse 38. Persuaded. You could not convince me any other way that neither death nor life. You've heard him write to the church of Philippi. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die You've heard him say, die to yourself. So let Christ live through you. Crucify yourself. Let Jesus might live and reign in you. You've heard him say it over and over again. Here he says it right here. Neither death. If I die in the arena fighting lions, if I die crucified upside down, if they burn me at the stake, it does not matter. If they arrest me for preaching the gospel, if they do anything against me, it does not matter. My Father in heaven will love me forever because of the precious blood of His Son. I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angel. Not even an angel can show up and say, God doesn't love you. Or you got to do it my way. You know, that's what the Mormon church teaches. They teach that an angel showed up and said, here's the real gospel. What a bunch of morons. You know what's funny? You know what they say the name of the angel is? Moroni. You know what that means? My moron. I'm serious. As it's written, I'm persuaded. Not even an angel 
not principalities, those are stars, the people large in the charge, nor powers, no kings, emperors, nothing, not things present, nor things to come, not even something that's coming up in the future. Now go back to our sermon. And think about how we went chronologically from the Tower of Babel to the Rock Christ to the children of Israel. One thing we can know. This is one thing we can take to the bank. This is one thing we can hang our hat on. Put it on your refrigerator door. Find a stone and chisel it in there. This is one thing you can hang on to when everything else is falling apart around you. Are you ready? Here it comes. No height, no depth, no any creature, not a dinosaur, not a dragon, not a demon, not a ghost, not one thing in the world, no creature shall be able to separate us. For the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Why do we marvel for the angels when we saw that vision? You know the love of God. You know Him. Why do you marvel when drugs come? Why do you marvel when alcohol comes? Why do you marvel when pornography comes? You should be marveling at the cross. Amen. That's the only thing marvelous in this world. Nothing else. So Paul says this. And all these things, we're more than conquerors. Nothing else matters. He's focused on that. Perhaps this morning you say, Brother John, you've been reading my mail. You've been listening in to my telephone call. Brother, I need Jesus. Would you give me a call on my heart? Perhaps say, Pastor, I had built my own tower of Babel. And I thought I had a relationship with God. I was building myself. You can't do that. You've got to come to God through Jesus Christ. It's time for you to put Jesus in your heart. It's time for you to become a Christian. It's time for you to get saved. Perhaps say, Pastor, I have been saved. But that's as far as I want it to go. I'm afraid of obeying. You come down the aisle and say, what Paul said, I am persuaded no matter what comes, nothing will separate me. From the love of God in Christ Jesus. My Lord, I will obey. Whatever it may be, would you begin to come down the aisle? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you, Lord God, for your word. And I pray, Lord, your word will stick with us. Take charge of us, Lord, so that we will need to come to know you. We will need to get the heart right with you. We will, Father God, we need to surrender to you. Would you let now be that time? Do it today, do that day. Would you give the praise, honor, and glory, even now, in Jesus' name? Would you come with your things? Without this, would you trust us? Would you come this morning?
Daddy said, don't miss night. Six o'clock, come back with night. Work the service. You don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that one. Another one says, all right, come be a part of that Wednesday night at 630. And uh, ministry meeting today at 4 o'clock. We're going to miss three o'clock. Thank you, Sister DJ. That's Chester Ralph Dixon, Sister DJ right there. We'll be back there in the Christmas Hall. You can take a look at it if you want. And we'll do that drawing here shortly. So God bless you all in it. Let's close in a word of prayer. And I will see you hopefully at 4 o'clock and at 6 o'clock for evening worship. I'm going to ask some help. Can you come up to